Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Let's look at the 23rd Psalm today. And um, we're going to read it. You might say, Pastor, why are we reading it every week? Because we're not looking at all six verses every week. Well, I just believe that uh, repetition settles things into our hearts. And I'm trusting that uh, as we read it, you're going to find something for yourself. And that uh, it'll be something you'll be able to recall in the future as you need it. So David begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for those words. Lord, we pray that uh, they would find a home in our heart. May they be so familiar to us, Lord, that we can recount them, Lord, not only in this moment, but in the days to come. And I pray that as we look specifically at verse 4 today, Lord, that you would illuminate its meaning to us. Lord, we've all experienced those times when we are looking at something that is familiar and you have shown us something new that is there. And I pray that for every person in the room and every person at home this morning, that, that you would illuminate and bring life to your word, that we would receive it and be strengthened and encouraged and empowered. So, Lord, we open our hearts and and our ears, Lord God, to that end, and we say, speak to us. Lord, your words alone be spoken in this remaining time that we have. And we declare that we are eager, Lord, to receive them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to look at uh, verse 4, which is, you know, probably one of the most familiar verses in the 23rd Psalm. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death is how it begins. And it's familiar to us because of the context that we are used to hearing it in, which is typically a funeral service, right? And uh, we, we recognize the comfort that it brings to us in those moments. We recognize its power to minister to us uh, in those moments. But if we were honest with ourselves we would probably say to David, you know what, David, would have been perfectly okay if you would have stopped at verse 3. Because in verse 1, we see, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, and then we, we move into green pastures and still waters, which is a beautiful, enticing, appealing picture of the places that the Lord leads us. And then in verse 3, we, we hear how the Lord is the restorer of our soul. And, and we say, amen, amen, amen. And then verse 4 shifts. And all of a sudden, David starts talking about shadows and valleys of death. And we might say, whoa, I, I like 
the first three verses a lot more than I like verse 4. So I want to just kind of make a a statement as we begin. And it's this. Uh, We are, this is not a funeral. (laughs) We are not having a funeral service today. Amen? Amen? And we are going to look at verse 4 in a way that is going to kind of pull it out of the context that we are familiar with it, and we are going to see that as David talks about the shadow of the valley of death, as he talks about the rod and the staff comforting us, that it's not just something that we experience in the moments when life is waning away, but it is something that has application in everyday life. So today, we're going to look at it a little bit different than we're used to, but we're going to see that it not only speaks to us on grieving days, but it speaks to us every day. So let's begin with that first statement that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And what is David talking about here? There really are two applications to that for our lives. The first one is the one that we're familiar with. It's the funeral application. It's the end-of-life application. The shadow of the valley of death reminds us of our own mortality. It reminds us that life is a vapor. It reminds us that we oftentimes uh, face situations that are potentially life-threatening. And it is a reminder that our life is in the hand of the one who made us. And this life... This body is a tent that will one day expire. And I'm not looking to um, start on that uh, depressing note, but rather I want us as the church today to understand how we face the topic of death and the end of life. Because we live in a culture that is infatuated with death. It glorifies it in some ways, and, and we're seeing that with masks. Have you seen them? They're, they're skulls. They look like, you know, uh, skeletons. We'll see that uh, come the end of October with uh, Halloween and the way that people dress. Like, there is, a, there is a, an unhealthy infatuation with death because, we, you know, there's this notion within our culture that, that death is something that uh, we can uh, glorify, and death is something we can dabble with. And death is something that we can allow to uh, define our lives. And, and in fact, through this pandemic, death has been very much a part of the conversation. You know, many leaders have said, well, if you do that, you, know, you are going to kill grandma and grandpa. And so on and so forth. And I'm not telling us that we need to be uncautious or unwise in the way that we live. But I am telling us that the, the Bible... And faith in Christ redefines the way that we see death. We have a hope, we have a confidence, and we have a peace that we have been called to live out our days with because we know that the Lord is the one who gives us those days and the days that we have are ones where we find ourselves in His hand. So we do not need to fear, but rather... We need to be filled with a faith that says, even in the context of adversity and even when the world is shaking around me, I recognize who holds my life in His hands. 
And the life that He has given me belongs to Him, and it is not my own. So verse 4, places, end of life, and what the end of our days looks like into perspective. And I want to give you a story that I think will just kind of bring it a little bit closer to home and, and maybe help us to see a little bit more clearly the position that we have as we live for Christ. And I'll be uh, honest with you, I cried when I read this this week, the first time. This is a, a tearjerker, it's a heart tugger, and um, it, it, it makes an incredible point in the midst of an incredibly difficult situation. And it comes from the life of a, a well-known Presbyterian pastor from the 1940s and, and 50s. His name was uh, Pastor Donald Gray Barnhouse. If you're a reader, you may have seen some of his commentaries and books and, and whatnot. So the name might be familiar to you. And in his life, um, his first wife died young of cancer in the year 1944. So they had not been married for a, a long length of time. They had young children. And in 1944, she dies of cancer. And the story really picks up as Pastor Barnhouse is driving his children home from the funeral. And one of his children asked him this question, Daddy, I don't understand. Where did mommy go? I don't understand what it means that she died. And as he sat there trying to figure out what to tell his daughter and the rest of his children, a semi-truck passed the vehicle on the highway. And as it passed, it cast a shadow over the whole car. And as he sat there trying to come up with an explanation to this heart-wrenching question, it dawned on him and he turned around to the back seat and he said, Kids, would you have rather been hit by the truck or hit by its shadow? As we hear that, we know that the answer is obvious. It's the shadow because it only darkens things for a moment. And because of that reality, this story brings to us an obvious truth that he shared with his kids in that moment. Pastor Barnhouse said, kids, when you die without Christ, you are hit by the truck. But when you die with Christ, you are only hit by the shadow. The shadow is all that you get. You see, the reality is this. Death wants to tell the believer that it has maintained its authority over your life. That, that you are destined to be hit by a truck. When the reality that David is telling us today is that because of what Christ has done on the cross and His victorious and glorious resurrection on the third day, death is nothing but a shadow in your life. And here is the thing with shadows. They always look bigger than the thing they represent. Haven't you seen that in your own life? You know, maybe you're out for a walk and it's a bright, sunny day and you're positioned in such a way where you're casting a shadow yourself and you might be six foot tall, but according to your shadow, you're 15 feet tall because you know what? The top of my head right now is extending to the end of that pew. 
So a shadow on the surface always looks intimidating. And David says, you know what, believer? The Lord has put death in perspective. And it doesn't have authority or power over you. So we see that as kind of one of the first applications to our lives that David is bringing. And then there is a, a second application here that doesn't just speak to the end of life moments, but rather speaks to the everyday life that we have been called to. Because the shadow of the valley of death also refers to dark times we experience in this life. That while we are living, there will be dark shadows that are cast over our lives and they might be financial shadows. They might be medical shadows. They might be relational shadows. They might be shadows of confusion. They might be shadows of disillusionment. They might be shadows of frustration. But there is a, a guarantee that in this life there will be moments where a shadow comes upon you. And the hope and the promise of what David is talking about applies to those moments just as much as they do the end of life moments. And you might say, Pastor, you didn't really uh, articulate or identify my shadow, so does this apply to me? Yes, it does. So the words in the Hebrew that are, are used here paint the picture of anything that causes us to feel as if we are walking in uncertainty or confusion. So, Christ is sufficient to meet your need. He's sufficient. And as these words are coming alive to us, they remind us about a couple of things related to life's dark valleys. And the first one is this, they are inevitable. They're inevitable. Valley experiences are going to happen. You can count on them. But, but I, I, I want to... I want to give you a fortitude as we face them. Listen to the words of Jesus. John 16, 33. In the world you will have tribulation. Alright, and in, in, in the second half of this verse ought to get a hearty amen out of every one of you. So I'm going to give you just a chance to kind of ramp up here, okay? And, and, and open your ears really loud, really big here to hear this because, you know, what Jesus didn't stop there. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hey, you did better than eight o'clock. You know what? But I think you can do a little bit better because there's a few more of you here. So let me read that again. And let's just kind of Let's just give a, 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 the heartiest amen that you've got because you know what? It's good to receive God's word in, in its life. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so we are going to experience difficulties and disappointments and frustrations and fatigue. We know this. Jesus said it. He said, you know what? The world hated me. They're going to hate you too. We don't need to be depressed by that, but we need to understand the position that we have. He is overcome and in Him we overcome too. And here is one of the ways that He helps us. The shepherd leads his sheep through the valley. You get that? 
He leads us through the valley. Some of you think if I'm in the valley, I, I must not be following the shepherd. But the reality that every shepherd faced was to, be in, to, was to ensure that the sheep had what they needed in regards to nutrition and what they consumed for their diet. And the reality is this. A flock of sheep will ultimately consume the resources of one green pasture and it's the responsibility of the shepherd to lead them to the next pasture and oftentimes that means he takes them through a valley so here's what that means for you and me and this life we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in this way you might be tempted to think that if uh, things are going good, God is happy with me. If things are going bad, God is not happy with me. But you need to look at your journey differently because we know that the Lord's love is everlasting. We know that when we are in Him, He never leaves us or forsakes us. And the leading of the sheep to a new pasture is to take us to a new place of provision. So you might have needed a, a green pasture of faith at one point in your life, and now you need a green pasture of boldness for the next phase of your life, and the Lord will lead you from one pasture to the next. But sometimes there's a valley. So valleys are inevitable. But I also want to remind us this morning that valleys are supposed to be temporary. Valleys have an end. They do not last forever. They're not meant to be a, a permanent location. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley. So valleys are not a campsite. They're not a dead end. They're not a place where we, we take up habitation. But rather, they're for a moment as we get to a new place. And this is a cause for rejoicing. But it is also an expectation that we must maintain because, you know, the accuser of the brethren, the enemy of your soul, the one who does not want to see every good and perfect thing as a part of your life, may just whisper into your ear, you know what, you're in the valley and you earned it and you should stay there. And the reason why those temptations come to us is because when we choose to stand still, we're not following the shepherd. So valleys are not meant to be a permanent place, but rather they are meant to be temporary. And Peter says this, in this rejoice greatly. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. 1 Peter 1, 6. Rejoice greatly that this is for a little while. In pondering these things, there is a biblical mindset for life's dark valleys that's emerging 
that we need to embrace and adopt because the Lord has not called you to look at life the way you looked at it before, but he's calling you to look at it from his perspective. So I want to talk about this for a moment. What is a biblical mindset for life's dark valleys? Some of these things will be a little bit redundant, but I'm just trying to give you some practical application so you can live it out. If we're going to adopt this biblical mindset, we must refuse to embrace the shadows. We don't embrace them as identity. Can I, let me just um, be really honest here for a moment. One of the most concerning things I experience in counseling moments is when someone has embraced something as their identity that is outside of what Christ purchased for them. And it happens in the lives of believers. We, we embrace something because of a situation, because of a choice, and we convince ourselves that there there is no way I can be free of this. And because of that, it must be incorporated into my life and I have to learn to live with it. That's a lie from the very pit of hell. Because when we become a believer, we have a new identity. Old things pass away and all things are made new. Jesus said that he takes our sin as, as far away as the east is from the west. But the devil wants to resurrect those things and he wants us to embrace a shadow. Paul, Paul dealt with it this way in Second Corinthians. He told the church, cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That is our, our battle plan. That is our response. That is the, the, the place that we have to push our hearts sometimes. And that, that phrase, cast down, means to demolish, to crush, to annihilate. And we saw a pretty impressive picture of that not all that long ago. You notice that we've got something missing on Harrison Avenue? But let me tell you this. On the morning when they started tearing that house down, the heavy equipment operator um, did not just you know, kind of dabble around the edges and ease his way into the demolition process. He fired that thing up, he revved it, he opened the jaws of that claw as wide as they would go, and he took the biggest chunk out of it he could. He wasn't messing around. It happened to be on a day when we had a visitation and a memorial service here, and Dave Scott and I were opening the door for people as they were coming in, and it just so happened the house started going down right as the visitation started. And I looked over at Dave and I said, Dave, I said, do you think that'll be gone by the time the end of the service is done? He's like, I think that's probably pretty possible. You know what? It was, it was gone before the visitation was over. 
And to me, that's just this picture of how we deal with those things that we are not called to embrace. We demolish them. Amen. Put them in a dumpster, you send them down the road, and you hold on to nothing. Because when you look at it now, it's like, wow, this, was there even a house there? Do not embrace the shadows. Let me take it a little bit more personal here, too. I'll say this, don't cast a shadow. I've told the previous two services that we're kind of talking culture right now. Like Rock Church, let's let this be our identity. We don't embrace the shadows in our lives, but we don't allow our life to cast a shadow on somebody else. We be the light. We be the light. We don't want to be the kind of people that after they talk to us, they feel heavy and more burdened and lacking direction. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees, look, you guys put burdens on, on people and they cannot carry them. And then we're called to be life givers. We're called to be the light. We're called to make a difference. Philippians chapter 2 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Seeing in that Christ leaving heaven and all of its glory, coming to earth in the form of a man so that man could be redeemed. And in, in doing so, demonstrating servanthood. Not for his benefit, but for our benefit. And there are clear principles and mandates in Scripture that we have to hold to and that we have to communicate and share and, and uphold. Paul says, you know what, there are also those things that are, that are kind of uh, in, in, in the middle. And he says, you know what, if, if you've got a brother that's wanting to do a certain ceremony or eat certain things or do some things that are not clearly mandated in Scripture, you know what, do not let them become a source of division, but love your brother. Don't cast a shadow and let's be a kind of people who, in, in, in that kind of a context, are not pushing people down, but we're lifting them up. We're not throwing them into a valley, but we're leading them out of a valley. And I, I'm not always perfect at this, but I, I just, I, I told the last two services, I said, I'm doing my dead level best that wherever I am, I'm trying to lift people up cashiers and clerks and people because you know what every time I look into their eyes they're wore out and they're overwhelmed and they're tired and I make my first step the step that just says you know what be encouraged today so we don't embrace the shadows but we don't cast a shadow Then we see valleys for what they are. They're not a detour. 
When we follow the shepherd, he leads us and he knows the way. And he guides us through the valleys to a new place of provision. That we've already said, but I want to I want to stir a hunger in you today in relation to the direction the Lord might be leading you in, okay? And it just kind of opens our understanding into regards of who God is. God is a creator and not a duplicator. He's a creator and not a duplicator. This is the reason why in the life of the church, like no two revivals have been the same. I mean, there's been similar elements of the gospel being preached and repentance and worship being given to God, but, you know, the mechanics of it have always changed throughout the ages. So God is a creator, not a duplicator. He created the heavens and the earth. You know what? We can fall into this trap of while we're following the shepherd through the valley of saying, you know what, Lord? I want what I'm used to. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to lead you to a pasture that is one that you've not been at before. So this biblical mindset regarding life's dark valleys, it, it creates a, a view and a perspective. That's rooted in the shepherd's faithfulness and his provision. So that we can stay on a path that accomplishes his will in our lives. And David shows us the way as we come back to Psalm 23. He shows us the way through life's dark valleys. He reminds us, refuse to be discouraged. I will fear no evil. It's refusing to be discouraged. David had put his faith in God and walked through many valleys and because of that he is saying with confidence i will fear no evil how did he get to that place his focus was on god's power and not his problems have you ever noticed that two people can go through the same thing and experience two different outcomes it has an awful lot to do with perspective and where they place their focus. I stumbled on a story that I'll share with you. And uh, I don't believe it to be true. I believe it to be, it was written to maybe make a point. And, and um, I'll just give you a, a, a heads up uh, in advance. Because, you know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about killing snakes. And, uh, you know, this one is uh, a hunting story. So, I, you know, I did not plan, you know, these... Uh, these, uh, these types of illustrations, they've been what's been coming to me, but this one will, I believe, make the point well about how important it is to maintain the right focus and perspective. There were two brothers. They both had come upon hard times. And uh, they, they did not see a way through. Financially, they couldn't meet their obligations. They were just in a very, very desperate place. And then they heard that there was a place in Alaska that had placed a $5,000 bounty on wolves. The area was being overrun by wolves. The, the, the natural ecosystem was being you know, put out of balance because of too many predators. The local farmers were having issues with livestock. So these local authorities placed a $5,000 bounty 
on wolves. These brothers see this as their opportunity. They gather the things. They go to Alaska. They head deep into the woods. They make a camp, and on the first night, at about midnight, they're both sleeping. And one brother is awoken by the snarls and the growls and the howling of wolves that are in a pack acting very aggressive. And at first, they're just kind of off in the distance, and they're not right upon them, but he can hear them getting closer and closer and closer until their tent is surrounded by 25 hungry, aggressive wolves. Now, the other brother is a very deep sleeper, and he does not even know what is going on. So the brother that is awake grabs his rifle, and he hits his brother to awaken him, and he says, Brother, we're surrounded by wolves. We need to do something. They're going to get us. And the other brother awakens, and he's wiping the sleep from his eyes, and he hears what's going on, and he hears the fear in his brother's voice. And as he comes to, he says, Brother, don't be afraid. This is a good day. We are going to be rich. (laughs) So you see the power of perspective? Think about the growls and the howls in your life. And remember... You've been given every resource that you need to stand against them. And because of that, we focus not on the circumstances, because when we do, circumstances rule the day. David says, I will fear no evil, and that maintains a focus and a perspective on the Savior and not the situation on God's power over the problem and not the problem itself. So David says, refuse to be discouraged. You have all that you need. And the right one is on your side. And indeed he is on our side because he follows that up by, for you are with me. The path through life's dark valleys causes us to remember that God is present. God not only promises us His power in the valley, but His presence as well. And knowing the Lord as our shepherd ensures that we will never walk alone. I love the psalm that Pastor Marty referred to. You can go to the bottom of the ocean and He is there. You can go to the highest mountain peak and He is there. There is no place you can find yourself in this life where the Lord's presence does not exist. You are with me, David says. You are with me. It brought to mind one of my favorite scriptures. In fact, it was the, one of the first scriptures that I memorized as a young person. And it's, it came to me one night as I was reading my Bible before going to sleep. And it jumped off the page at me. And it reminds us of what it means when 
God is on our side. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, Isaiah writes, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. In my mind, flood and fire kind of covers the spectrum of things that you do not want to have happen. But Isaiah reminds us that when they do occur, God is near and we have nothing to fear. And there's a reality that takes place in our walk with the Lord when we remember His presence. And I'm going to get a little bit nerdy here for a minute, okay? Because we're, we're going to look at some grammatical structure. But Thursday night, Mrs. Munson, or Miss Goble, as some of you know her, she gave me the thumbs up and said, you know what, your, your grammar's, you're, you're on the money here. Because there is a shift that takes place in verse 4. In verses 2 and 3, David uses the third person when he's referencing God. Phrases like, he makes me, he leads me, he restores me. That's the, the third person. But in verse 4, he begins to refer to God in the second person. You are with me, your rod, your staff. And why is that significant? Well, it illustrates what happens in our walk with the Lord when we are in the valley. Because when we are in the valley, we don't just talk about God. He leads me. He makes me. He restores me. But we begin to talk to God. We come face to face with Him. You are with me. Your rod. Your staff. And here is the, a part of what happens in our journey. When we go through the dark valleys and its shadows. Yes, we remember what God has done in the past, but we have to remind ourselves that He is with us in the presence and that changes the way that we talk to Him. We don't talk to Him in a way that is out there, but we talk to Him in a way that is face to face because that reassures us and reminds us of who He is. And it injects His presence into our moment of need. You are with me. It's where religion changes into relationship. It's where God becomes real. Because untested faith is no faith at all. So we remember His presence. And His presence leads to His protection and His guidance and His comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is why Psalm 23 is so oftentimes used in memorial services and funeral services because that comfort is it's real. And we need it. The rod and the staff are tools of the trade for the shepherd. The, the rod would be like a club. I want you to picture a club in your mind. It's usually about two feet long. 
It's taken from a, a portion of the tree, oftentimes, where there is a knot. It's that hardened, gnarly part of the tree. And then the shepherd will oftentimes embed glass and metal into it, and it's used to protect the sheep from predators. It's used to uh, inflict maximum damage in every blow so that adversaries turn and run away. And then there's the staff, which is the long stick with a crook on the end, and we're very familiar with that, and the shepherd uses that to, to guide the sheep. If they're in the valley grazing and they begin to wander, it will be used to nudge them back into the fold. But then it oftentimes, the crook of the neck is used to pull the sheep out of the pit. If they fall into a place that separates them from the shepherd and the rest of the flock, the shepherd will use the crook of that, that staff to latch onto them and to pull them out. And David says, that brings me great comfort. Because no weapon formed against me will prosper, the New Testament says. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? He protects us, great comfort. But then there's this reality of comfort that only the Lord can bring. He not only guides us and protects us, but He gives us what we need in our most broken moments. Here's the picture for comfort. You are on your life's journey and you are in a dark valley. And the word means this. It literally means that you sit down in a place, standing still, not moving. And you sigh deeply. And that sigh is an expression of the weight, the confusion, maybe regret. And it just is the feeling that I, I can't carry this anymore and I don't know what to do. And David tells us that when we follow the Good Shepherd through the valleys and we experience His presence and we know His protection and His guidance, that there is a comfort that is received that looks like the Good Shepherd coming and sitting right next to us and putting His arm around us. And as He puts His arm around us, He Himself sighs equally because He identifies with our need. And He knows the weights that we carry. He is not disconnected from us, but He has an empathy and a compassion. And as we sense His presence coming alongside of us, we receive His comfort. And that comfort opens our eyes to recognize that I might need to repent of something that I have done. 
and I can do so freely because the shepherd is with me. Or it may cause us to recognize that the weight is not something I've been called to carry, but it is something that I can transfer to the one in whom I'm following. And in his empathy, and in his compassion, and in his willingness to receive us just as we are, he says, I will take that weight from you. And that is the depth and the substance of the comfort that we receive from Him when we walk through the valley. But it only comes from being in His presence. Sometimes the valleys say, you know what, camp out here and don't move. Sometimes the valleys say, you know what, you just kind of go your own way. And David says, no. As you follow the Good Shepherd, He will lead you to a, a place of greater provision. He will give you life. He will give you protection and guidance. And when you do that, you are going to be comforted because you will receive all that you I think that puts a choice in front of all of us. Are we going to choose to dwell in the valley or are we going to follow the good shepherd? And I want us to think on that for a minute before we go. So why don't you stand with me? Pastor Marty is going to begin to Pray again, but before we leave, let's humble ourselves before the Lord and let's ask Him for our own life's application. You know, have you just been hanging out in the valley or have you been following the Good Shepherd? Lord, I just pray right now that in this moment you'd be speaking to all of your children, Lord, both here in this room and at home. And we pray, Lord God, that um, you would just reveal whatever our eyes need to see. Lord, I know I've heard from many over these months that... Um, just they don't quite know how to how to define or to to even talk about what they've been feeling and sensing and lord i just pray right now that any cloud of confusion that exists may it be lifted and may the root and the source of anything lord god that has crept into our lives be revealed that we might receive your comfort today before we go so lord speak right now Give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear, Lord God. Maybe some of you just need to affirm that you are 
going to follow the good shepherd. You need to just, you know, kind of just say that to yourself. I'm not going to go my own way. I'm going to follow him and him alone. Let's not leave here today without making those declarations that put us on a new path. Maybe you say, um, I've been doing my best to follow him, but uh, I need his help, I need his presence, his protection, his guidance. Just ask for more of whatever it is that you need. thank you that when we call on your name you draw near to us I just pray Lord that you would begin a work right now that will carry on throughout the week and may you bring that work to completion and may you help us along the way and Lord I just pray for us as a congregation Lord, I pray that as we prepare to walk out these doors, may we do so just stating and declaring that we want to be a people who help others through their dark valley. Revealing, Lord, the truth of your word and how you have been at work in us. So, Lord, may we come alongside. May we be light. And we make a difference as we engage the world around us. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. And we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.